Hey there, history fans. Welcome back to the History Explains It All podcast, where we cover a variety of historical topics from the Stone Age to the Modern Age. I'm Lauren. And I'm Melissa. And on today's episode for the spooky Halloween season, we are covering Elizabeth Bathory. Blood yes. Countess. The Blood Countess, yes. Before we get into it, History Explains It All underscore podcast. That's our Facebook and our Instagram. Go check us out, Archaeology in the News, Today in History, Photo Fridays. Also, it's where we post the information for the episodes that we put out, including this one when it goes out. And you can make comments, let us know how you're feeling. Sometimes we do a poll when we get the chance, so we want to hear what you think. And please leave us a rate and review. It's how others find us, and it also lets us know how you're enjoying the podcast. Oh, and historyexplainsall at gmail.com if you want to reach out. All right, let's get into the episode. All righty, to start today's episode. Elizabeth Bathory was born on August 7th, 1560 to Baroness Anna Bathory and Baron George VI Bathory. On her mother's side, Elizabeth was the niece to not only noble Stephen Bathory, but also related to the King of Poland, the Grand Duke of Lithuania, and the Prince of Transylvania. She's got a lot of connections. No kidding. Yeah. Now, as a child, she is said to have been sickly, suffered from seizures, and today it is actually believed she may have even had epilepsy. Now, at the time, seizures and such were referred to as the falling sickness. And a popular treatment in the area of Transylvania, Romania at the time, Czechoslovakia, I think it's what there is now, Czech Republic, is rubbing the blood of a non-epileptic person on the afflicted lips and giving her a mixture of the blood of a non-epileptic mixed with some powder of skull. Literally ground up skull powder. Going back to our mummy episode with that one. Victorians and their mummies. People have been eating mummies for a very... People have been eating the dead for a very long time. Stop doing that. It's not good. But essentially to treat someone with seizures, you give them the blood of somebody who doesn't suffer from seizures. Okay. In addition to that, she was also raised Calvinist Protestant. And for those not familiar with Calvinism, it's a branch of Protestantism. And it was formed by a man named John Calvin. And within it, it emphasizes the sovereignty of God and the authority of the Bible. It's kind of like more strict Protestantism. Because she was a noble, she was given a very good education. And during that time, she not only learned her for the, lo the local language of Hungarian, but also German, Latin, and Greek. Which, in other instances, Latin and Greek would not be something that even the female nobles would have learned. So she got a pretty good education on that one. Now, there are some rumors that she possibly fell pregnant at the age of 13 prior to her marriage, which we'll get into. Story goes that she had fallen in love with a peasant boy and obviously not an appropriate relationship for her to be having. She did bear the child, but once it was born, it was given away to a childless woman within the village who then promised to take care of it. The woman was also paid by the family 
And at one point, the new mother and the baby moved to the Valachia. This actually is a story that came out after Elizabeth had died, along with the various rumors about her life, which are in dispute and are tales about her life. And we'll get into that at the end. So Bathory, or Elizabeth Bathory, became engaged to Count Florenc Nadasti in either 1570 or 1573. Questionable date. And of course, like all marriages back in this time, this was not out of love. This was political. And in 1575, they were married. This marriage combined brought them the ownership of Transylvania and Hungary. The wedding festivities lasted three days with over 4,000 people attending, including the Holy Roman Emperor Maximilian. That's quite a feat. Let alone 4,000 people is a lot of people. I'm just Holy Roman Empire. Holy Roman Emperor in a three-day wedding and feast. Good grief. Too much. That's Too many like, people. That's like a, like a weekend concert. I'm good. I don't remember where I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Uh, as a wedding gift, Ferenc gave Elizabeth his castle, the castle of... Um, if there's different accounts on how to pronounce it. I believe the most common is Katsitze. Katsitze. I'm going to butcher that. In the Little Carpathian. And, of course, she gained their country house and 17 nearby villages. Yes, you own villages at this time. You, That's how it worked. It's feudalism. Yep. And after they were married, they moved to Ferenc's castle at Sarvar. During these early years of their marriage, Ferenc spent most of his time in Vienna as he was still attending school for his education. Yeah, the two of them were in their teens. And then three years into the marriage, Ferenc became the chief commander of the Hungarian troops, who at the time were at war with the Turks. And Elizabeth was meant to manage the family estates and business while he was at war, which meant she was also responsible for the lives of the villagers and that included providing medical care during the war and, of course, making sure that her husband's estates were well taken care of and not lost monetarily. And made money, actually. While Ferenc was fighting, he gained the nickname Black Knight of Hungary. He was known for being rather brutal to his enemies. You know, he's also named the Black Knight. Childerman. Yeah, there's a lot of black knights. Yeah. It just depends on how bad of a knight you want to be. Do I hack your head off? Do I put it on a spike? Or do I hang it from the wall? You know, the best black knight now? What, Thepish? No, Thepish is next. No, I'm going with the black knight from Python. Oh, that would have been fun. <laughs> Monty Python and the Holy Grail for anyone who does not get that reference. If you don't get that reference, go watch it. During this time, the country was under an economic stress. This was the Long War, which lasted from 1593 to 1606. However, Elizabeth and Ferenc did not actually become affected by this war because they actually gained money. They were doing rather well. It's just like quarantine. <laughs> it's a good one. 
And it is believed that their wealth, wealth had become so large that by 1600, they were lending money to the Habsburgs in Hungary. The, the rulers or the, the ruling family. The, yeah. In order to keep the country economically stable. So, so the Habsburgs, the ruling family had to borrow money. Although I'm not sure why this is a surprising theme. A lot of kings, queens, and ruling families had to borrow money because they just recklessly spent it. If, in, a, in a modern sense, think of it like this. England was... would if England, as a... It's a hypothetical. England's in economic stress. Though the monarchy doesn't own quite a lot, they need some help. J.K. Rowling donates money to the monarchy. That's kind of what this is. Yeah. So, ten years after they were married, so Elizabeth is now at least in her 20s. Yeah, but, I mean, she got married at, like, 14 or 15. So, so yeah, 20, 20, 24, 25. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Around that age. They had their first child, Anna Nadasti, and that was in 1585. They would go on to have several more children, including Orsolia, 1590, Catalin, 1594, Andras, 1596, and Paul, 1598. These are only the children that survived infancy. Remember, this is a time when infancy mortality was rampantly high. So chances are that Elizabeth and Ferenc had more children, but they did not make it past infancy, and they passed away. Right. When she died, uh, these are the children that were written in her will. 1604, her husband, who died, they'd been married about 30 years. On January 4th is when he died, January 4th, 1604. Unsure of what he died of. But supposedly his illness began probably three years before in 1601 as he had been complaining of debilitating pain in his legs and this continued to worsen over time. And by 1603, he was permanently disabled, supposedly. When he, before his death, he did entrust Elizabeth and their children to Georgi Thurzo, a Hungarian magnate. Basically, he was to kind of take over as head of family. Yeah, it's either Georgi or George. He looks like Georgi, and it's very Hungarian. I I probably, it doesn't really matter at this point. (laughs) Just call him Thurzo. That's what everyone else does. He'll make an appearance later, too. Sure. Just kind of a background a little bit. Around the time of her husband's death and afters especially there were were rumors about Elizabeth and the horrors that she supposedly committed it's supposedly you know she bathed in the blood of virgins from the villages and drank the blood of the virgins in the villages kind of a combination mutilated them tortured them a whole bunch of stuff we'll get into it however there were several complaints that were brought against her uh, by Lutheran, the Lutheran minister Istvan Magyari. And he publicly made complaints about her and even went to the Viennese court. It's quite a thing to do. In 16... Ke- 16 Ken? Mm-hmm. 16 Ken. Ken. <laughs> wow. Barbie and Ken. There you go. <laughs> In 1610, King Matthias II 
assigned Durzo to investigate the rumors and the allegations. And he ordered, Durzo had two notaries, Andras Keresturi and Moses Xiraki, in to collect, sent to collect evidence uh, from March 1610 and on. Yeah, so they go around the villages and collect any evidence people had. It's not a really, truly a lot of evidence that but... proved anything in that time. I mean, a lot of the stuff back then. Well, I mean, it's all it's... based on hearsay, basically. It's literally where it's like that. It's as if, if you and I were in the 1610s and you were the feudal lord, you were in Bathory's similar position. And I went, the Lady Melissa, she, I've seen the bodies being dragged out of the castle. Well, again, it's the And bo- you're arrested just because I said so. Right. Well, it's not like, uh, not unlike Gilles de Ray, who is also rumored to have potentially killed just as much as Bathory, but... He was also a noble with a lot of money and supposedly, as you think he did, <laughs> um, killed, suspect. killed, suspect he probably killed some children. I don't think he killed as many as we said, but that's uh, going back yeah. to two episodes. Like, that's going back uh, two episodes ago. Right, but the, what I was getting with that is that a lot of the allegations against him that were brought into the court were nothing but hearsay. People that allege that he stole my child or killed my children. Yeah. But there's no definitive evidence he did that. Yeah. Same thing here. I think the only one that we've had definitive evidence against was Dissod. He never actually killed anybody. He didn't kill anyone. But, but there was definitely... There def- was def- definitely some sodomy in, in, in other things <laughs> going on. Yeah. There's, if you want to know more about that, go to the previous episode. <laughs> By October, the evidence that had been gathered had 52 witness statements, and in the in the year 1611, that had risen to 300 witness statements. Yeah, uh, that's a lot. Again, we'll get into it. Again, I'm not really sure she did all that either. I'm going to make a mention here of another podcast. Take a listen to Noble Blood's version on this. It It's very, very good. We're not in association with them, by the way. It's just a fantastic podcast that I love to listen to. <laughs> We're not in association with the Dead Authors podcast either, but that's how we got into the Marquis de Sade. That's true. But in, in this case, take a listen to uh, no, the Noble Blood episode. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Thurso ended up presenting the evidence to Nikola Six Zrinsky on December 10th, 1610, and 20 days later, so December 30th, Elizabeth was arrested along with four of her servants at Kitsitsa Castle. I'm going to let you do that one every time, basically. There were several rumors after her arrest that she was supposedly in the middle of a torture session when she was arrested. Uh, She was actually just sitting down eating her dinner. And after her her arrest, Thurzo had written and sent a letter to his own wife stating that he had found one dead girl in the castle and another who was basically being tortured. And he also said that he caught her right in the act. 
and she was covered in the blood of her victims. So that's another hearsay situation. I would say on, on this account for the letter he sent, there would have been more than one person going there to arrest her if this actually did happen and she was in the middle of a torture session bathed in blood of other people. There would have been more witnesses to stick her operate that. Yes. If they were willing to say something. I'm sure most or of them Or if we are. haven't lost the, the evidence to time. Who knows? I mean, this is 400 years ago. <laughs> Thurzo began to negotiate with her son, Pal, and the son-in-law, Nicholas VI Thrinsky. These names are hard to pronounce. On what to do with her and the rest of the family properties, houses, castles, villages, that thing. The chances were that the properties would be seized by the crown due to this scandal. And Thurzo, along with several men, originally planned to have Elizabeth sent to a nunnery. But as the evidence against her kept getting larger and more rumors began to spread, they decided that it would be better to keep her under a version of house arrest. Now, remember, again, many of the witness testimonies are hearsay as they none of them claimed that they had witnessed her perform the crimes themselves. They just heard these statements from others. So not, I don't know who the others were, but okay. The, the four servants that had originally been arrested with her, they were the ones that confessed to helping her torture the young girls. They are recorded as saying that they helped to kill 35 to 50 victims, while others who made statements against Bathory claiming that the number was closer to between 50 to 100 people, 100 girls. Another claim is that 100 to 200 dead girls were seen being removed from the castle grounds. Uh, Iona Joe and Dorotia Cizentes not only had their fingers torn off their hands with pincers, oh, they were also burned to death. Painful! Janos Ujvare was beheaded and his body was burned. And Erzi Mayorova escaped, but she was then recaptured and burned alive. These are the four servants that were arrested with her. Pretty sure. No, these are victims. Oh, these are her victims. These, these are the. No, are these the servants? One, yeah. two, three. Oh no, these are yeah, these are. I'm the sure servants. these are the servants. You're confusing. Uh, yes, me I am. Now. <laughs> You're confusing me in my own knowledge. I'm not the one who wrote the notes. You wrote the notes, but I also did my own research. I've been fascinated with Bathory for years. <laughs> my bad. Continue. Rude. Confusing me. <laughs> Katarina Benico was the only one to make it out alive. She was given a life sentence in jail when she was proved that she had been abused and tortured by the other servants. I'm pretty sure everyone was tortured by the court. Not by Bathory. Oh, I mean, that's how you got a confession back then, whether you did it or not. Yep. You confessed just to make the torture end. Yep. Yeah, I'd rather be sentenced to death than continue to be tortured for the next 
20 years until I'm tortured to death. I'd rather have the swift death. Thanks. I'm good. Bathory did end up having two trials. One taking place on January 2nd, 1611, and then literally five days later, another one. She was a noble, but she was still a woman, and therefore she was unable to defend herself in court. Basically, it mattered not. Therefore, she was found guilty. And she ended up being confined to her castle for the rest of her life. And there who, was, who, yeah, who did that? Thurzo. And Thurzo would later write that she was placed in a room that would, ended up being bricked up. But really, other accounts state that she had free roam. She just couldn't leave the castle. So she was basically allowed to be under house arrest. So the idea that she just kind of died alone in a bricked up room with nowhere to move around is doesn't uh, seem very true. My understanding was that they bricked her up in one of her bedrooms yeah. with just enough space to like send her trays of food like you would in a prison door. Yeah, that's the rumor. Yeah, I know. And it's not true because accounts from the time saying, no, she had free reign to walk around her house or her castle. Yeah, she just, as you said, couldn't leave it. Yeah, and she was very much alone, except for, you know, guards and things like that. that maybe were sent a, to a like, handful of servants or something. Yeah, maybe a servant or two. Yeah, because I don't think as a noble woman you cooked yourself <laughs> or sewed your own clothes too much. So, you know, that's not what she was used to doing. And after the trial, King Matthias issued a decree, which passed into law by the Hungarian Parliament, declaring the name Elizabeth Bathory to be illegal. Therefore, it took away her name, and she became a non-person. Kind of reminds me of World War II. Mm-hmm. According to other records, it even became illegal after 1614 to speak, write, or bear her name anywhere. So you couldn't read, write, speak, any of that. The name was to be erased, basically. Like Marquis de Sade. Marquis de Sade. Hatshepsut. I mean, we can go on about that. Different reasons, but Erasing same idea. history, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any objects that were to be, that were identified as Elizabeth's were meant to be destroyed. And this meant that anyone, including her heirs, owning any of her property, had to remove any trace of her name so that they wouldn't be prosecuted by the new law. So basically, her children had to forget about her. Just erase her from the history books. Well, again, like Marquis de Sade. Yeah. When his son took over after the Marquis died, they no longer used the, the title Marquis. And they took, like, the, the, he burned a lot of his books and manuscripts and everything. They did not want him to be remembered. Yeah. It's the same, yeah. same shtick. Yeah. Except that was actually a lot of, like, actual torture. <laughs> this is supposed torture. In September 1610, Elizabeth wrote up a will that left all her possessions to her children. And in December 1613... She finalized the arrangements, which distributed all the lands and estates to them. And after her death, her children were actually exiled from Hungary and had to take up residence in Poland. Yeah, they even had to take up the consequences of this. Yeah. But they still bear the last name. Actually, they had to drop it. Oh, right. Yes. 
Yeah, I was like, where are you going? No, remember, remember that law just like two two minutes you ago? You couldn't list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were bathrooms, but they could not. I mean, what, but what about like her Uncle Stephen? I'm sure and he his had children. To, I'm sure they all had to do the same thing. Legally, they had to drop the bathroom portion of their name and they formally became Nadasti. From the decree onward, she was referred to, uh, she, she being Elizabeth, was referred to as, quote, Lady Widow Nadasti, end quote. And on August 20th, 1614, she is recorded to have complained to her bodyguard that her hands were cold. And he basically replied that it's nothing, just go relax, lay down, do something else, don't bother me, kind of shtick. And she went to bed, and she did not wake up in the morning. She died. And she was buried in the church of Katsitze on November 25th, 1614. When the villagers heard of this, they actually were very upset and demanded that she be moved. They didn't want her buried in the cemetery. And she was then reburied at her childhood 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 home in Exed and interred in the Bathory family crypt. You're not going to destroy the Bathory family crypt at this point. <laughs> the actual like family history there. They're too noble anyway. Yeah. In terms of legacy, she of course has been in mainstream life as early as the 1700s and about 100 years after her death. In 1729, Laszlo Turoxi a Jesuit priest wrote Tragica Historia. The book is the earliest known writings about a fictional character based on the rumors of Bathory. And the rumors began to be questioned in 1850 when the witness testimonies were published for the first time. In it, there is not a single account of bathing in blood baths. Basically, no one ever said she bathed in their blood. More that they, she tortured them. Tortured or killed, but no one said that she consumed. Consumed or bathed. Yeah. And another book from the same same year of 1729 by Jean Paget. 1850. I'm sorry, 1850. Sorry, wrong dates. Getting dates mixed up. Jean Paget, that describes the possible origins of the tales of Bathory's blood, blood baths. But scholars today think that this tale is a fictionalized story of the oral history in the area that had persisted. You know, there's times when oral history gets passed on, and as I don't know if you remember, it's kind of like that chain thing where I tell you one thing, you misheard a little part of it, and then it just keeps going down until at the very end of the chain, telephone. none of it makes sense, and it's definitely not what was said at the first beginning. Yep, telephone. Yes. Uh, there are paintings of her. Uh, there are two definitive paintings of her prior to the year 1600 one of which is believed to be in a museum in the village of Katsitze, where her castle is. <laughs> and the other is gone. It's probably burned, buried. Who knows? It could have been lost during World War II. Painted over. You never know. A million reasons. There is a painting from 1580 that is believed to be Bathory, and that's only a recent belief. It does look similar to the other painting in terms of the portraiture and clothing style. And it was discovered at a Sotheby's Master Painting Auction held on June 4th, 2015. 
very recently. It has been verified by experts as and was listed as having been painted in 1580 by Anthony Blockland van Montfort. Very Dutch. Very Dutch. That sounded Austrian. <laughs> Deutsch. I'm sorry. Deutsch. Deutsch and Dutch are two different things. I know. Okay. Deutsch is more German. Deutsch is German. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just butchering every single language or name that a language. Uh, it doesn't matter at the end of the day right now because this part's going to get cut out. <laughs> or is it? No, just kidding. I was going to say, this is going to take up extra time on the podcast. Padding, padding, padding. I don't think we need that much padding. Okay. That's a short episode today. Uh, it is titled Portrait of a Lady, three quarters in length, in a ruff with matching lace cap and cuffs. In Sotheby's report, the oil painting is signed 1580 backslash B. The B is believed to stand for Bathory. Oh, I kind of feel like I'm I'm saying uh, Macbeth when I say Bathory now that I know that her name was like illegal. Oh, <laughs> nice. The signature wasn't by the artist and is thought to have been added by George Petch, a Viennese merchant, when whom Bathory charged with the sales of many of her possessions between 1604 and 1610. Well, now that we've covered Elizabeth, her life, her death, her legacy, let's get into some of the rumors. Oh, God. Because uh, this is pretty much what everyone's going to tune in for. Blood Countess, 600 victims, torture, blood... That bathing, consuming, all this. Let's get into it. So, obviously, rumors of Countess Bathory is she's considered to be, in some accounts, the world's most prolific serial killer, let alone the world's most prolific female serial killer. She's also, in some instances, said was a vampire suffering from porphyria and... That's kind of more of a rumor that's been persisting since the early 1600s, just post the trial. She's even listed in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most prolific female serial killer in history. Modern scholars obviously not only believe that that was just talk, but also politically motivated. We'll get into that. But most of what she was accused of, modern scholars don't believe actually happened. And here's my thing with the Guinness Book of World Records. They're usually pretty good at fact-checking stuff. Bathory cannot be fact-checked. It's all rumor. So why is she in there in the first place? Uh, let's send an email to the Guinness Book of World Records people and ask that question. Okay? Yeah, we should do that. That'd be fine. Uh, let's see if they answer. I doubt they're going to do anything about it. <laughs> but I mean, we, we can try. What do y'all think? Should we try? Let us know in the comments. <laughs> Obviously, stories have abounded since the time of the first accusations against her, let alone particularly since the trials. And it's said that even as a child, she'd witnessed violence to various servants and that her husband was also violent and abusive and that because of the violence and abuse that she had seen growing up when she married Frank that she also aided him in torturing servants together and that both of them were very angry, rageful people. I mean, you don't get the, the title of Black Knight 
during a war, which came with the accusations of torture, uh, without maybe having a bit of rage anyway. But that was her husband. What's rage? I don't know. Against the machines? Yeah, I like that. That would be me. I hate technology. Ugh, so complicated. But, and, and accordance with the rumors, having killed most of the village's four young girls, she then turned her sights to the girls of the nobility and the gentry. They were lured to her castle for the aim of finishing schools and education for the girls. Now, the beliefs of the torture that she inflicted were burning her victims with hot irons, beating them, sticking needles under their fingernails, which is the one I've always remembered, pouring ice water on them in the winter, which can be quite cold in that area, and then forcing them to spend the night outside, also covering them in honey, and then in the summer, then letting them, like, keeping them outside and having bugs attack them, sewing various the lips shut of some of the girls, biting off pieces of their flesh from various places all over their bodies, and particularly according to the rumors, she had a preference for biting both breasts and faces. Yeah, yeah, we're going with that, sure. All right, then. <laughs> mm -hmm. Witness statements, again, all hearsay, non-actual first-hand account witnesses, claimed that her favorite torture methods were using scissors to mutilate the girls' bodies, particularly cutting off noses and hands, fingers, and genitals. Blech. It was even reported, according to the hearsay rumors, that she also liked to slice open the skin between the fingers. Like a really bad paper cut. Ouch! It's just, I was just thinking about it. Blech. Yeah, absolutely. And these very same witnesses also claimed, obviously having not seen one, claimed, though, that she kept a book in which she recorded all the names and all the acts of torture she had inflicted upon all of her 600 victims. These same accusers who mentioned this book also stated that they personally saw her writing in this book, and in it she, there was a record total of 650 victims. Obviously, it's pure bunk, pure fiction. No one ever saw a thing. And I'd assume... Oh, wait, okay, so let me put the name... I'm going to ask you this question. There's a book. They claim they saw her right in it. Who were these people that claimed? Were they people inside the castle? Were they visitors inside the castle? Did they get a chance to go browse through the book? How did they know there was 650 were they itemized and, and numbered going down the column? Like, did they spend time looking through it and counting it? It doesn't exactly really matter because the book never existed in the first place. But that's a lot of questions there. And obviously, over time, led many to believe that she was a vampire. Tales of bloodbathing didn't actually begin to rumor about her until close to 100 years after she died. So into the very early 1700s. In the 1600s, though she was rumored to have been a consort of the devil and would also engage in sex with Satan for everlasting youth on top of the drinking and bathing and enjoying the, the, the blood of young virgins to give her everlasting youth. Okay, it's just getting a little weird. Uh-huh. Well, 
those are the rumors. Now we're going to get into something that's a lot, I mean, even though it is still rumor, it's definitely a lot more likely than anything else we've already talked about. In terms of politics, she was not only incredibly noble to begin with when she was born, relating to all the various nobilities in the area, but she also had her own wealth. And then she amassed even more wealth when she married Ferenc. And then during the war, both of them amassed even more wealth. And then when Ferenc died, she also got his wealth. Because if you remember, they helped the Habsburg. They kind of bailed out the Habsburgs to save the economy of Hungary. So they're incredibly wealthy. And after the death of her husband, she's in charge of everything. A woman. Not cool, right? So she's in charge of all of her husband's estates and affairs, as well as his money. She's incredibly wealthy. Now, what I don't understand, to a certain extent, is that you know, she must have been rather strong-willed, I would assume, given that in most cases in this instance, people would try to become her new suitor or new husband in order to have that passed back down to them. So instead of marrying her off to somebody, they just chose to take her down completely. Because it is recorded that also King Matthias owed a very large debt to Bathory during her lifetime because she helped to bail out the king. The ha well, I don't know if Matthias was also a Habsburg. I think he was. But he, she helped to bail out the monarchy. So obviously they owed big debt to her. And he didn't want to pay that. And in fact, after she was arrested, particularly after the guilty trial, guilty verdict during the trial, that entire debt that the king owed to the Bathory estate was completely canceled. He never paid it back. Shocking! Right! It's also said that she was likely in prison because of her religion. Again, she was a Calvinist Protestant. And there were some very persistent rumors, as we mentioned before, against her Calvinism by a Lutheran minister. <laughs> so again, it's Catholicism against Catholicism. Well, yeah, more or less. Although Catholic Protestant. But it, it's religion against religion and just some, one sect doesn't like another sect. And she's a woman with power and she's in the wrong religion. <laughs> or, or something like that. Sect of religion. Yeah. It's... Uh, there you go. And then, of course, as we mentioned before, there's Thurzo himself, the person handpicked by her husband to watch over not only his wife, but also their children and all their estates. He was, as we mentioned, incredibly instrumental in gathering all of the witnesses and circumstantial potential evidence against her only just months after her husband had died. I'm surprised he, I mean, he was already married, but I'm surprised he didn't try to off his wife and try to marry her. Maybe he didn't like her. I don't know. Who knows? But Thurzo did claim during her trial that she had killed at least 80 girls. And some of which he said he'd seen at the castle with his very own eyes. If you remember the letter that he'd sent to his wife. It is likely that he not only obviously exaggerated this and anything that he claimed he found in the castle, but also created false claims in order to support his own political ambitions. Because I think he probably wanted to get in the good graces of the monarchy. So Dr. Irma Zadetsky-Kardos and Lazo Nagy 
believe that the claims by Thurzo about the dead and the dying girls within her castle are completely false, which I agree with. They say that it was possible, given that there was a constant warring in the area by the Turks, that she had a responsibility to aid the villagers medically during war, as we mentioned before, and under her rule, that she was kind of required to do this as the lord of the villagers. And that Thurzo exaggerated completely what he saw and testified that those in the castle that he claimed to have seen were her personal victims of torture. Uh, Dr. Irma and Laszlo also put forth the possibility that, that Thurzo had been pursuing Bathory romantically, and she spurned him, causing him to lash out and retaliate against her. Also, the king wanted the lands of the Bathory estates as well, going back to Gilles de Ray as well. When Gilles de Ray was found guilty, and after he was put to death, the lands and stuff did not go to his daughter. It went to the king. He had some really high-end estates. And this, the king, it is said that the king fabricated, or king's associates fabricated against Childeray, one of our theories in that episode, that they fabricated against Childeray in order for the king to gain his lands. Same thing here. Thurzo died in 1616, and his only heir died five years later, the complete line of the family dying out. The most likely real case of Bathory was a woman in charge of incredible wealth with many, many lands. As we mentioned, they were in charge of 17 villages. So lots of estates, lots of land, lots and lots of income. And was actually able to run them like any other man at the time running these estates and businesses. And remember, when her husband went off to war, she was tasked as being in charge of all of this and running the estates as her husband would do if he were at home. And she seemed to have done it rather well, so she was successful in business and money and intelligent, and really probably didn't feel like that she had a requirement to have a husband with her to do all this that she could just done on her own. Obviously, being a very intelligent, independent, incredibly wealthy woman intimidated a lot of the noble and high-ranking men in the land at the time, of course. And particularly even the king, because again, the king owed the Bathory family a lot of money because they helped to bail him out. And the king, it said, also, again, didn't want to pay back the debt and wanted to discredit her at the same time, ruining both her and her family so he didn't have to pay the debt. Now, to kind of end off with everything, we're going to let you decide whether she potentially killed all 600 if any at all, consumed blood, was a vampire, had porphyria, yeah. was just uh, a woman in charge and was taken down by men who wanted to have her land and wealth. There's actually a really, really great retelling of her story uh, in a movie that's an English language film that came out in 2008 called Bathory Blood Countess and stars actress Anna Friel. And... It's actually a period piece that details her life from the perspective of Bathory. And it's produced by Czech, Hungarian, and Romanian crews. So it's actually filmed on location in and around the Czech Republic, Hungary, and Romania. But unlike a lot of other retellings of Bathory and her life, where they are more motivated in terms of storytelling, 
of the rumors persisting about Bathory, Blood Countess from 2008 tells the story of Elizabeth Bathory from her eyes. There are scenes in there where you see her in a tub of red liquid, but it's not blood. It's rose water. I mean, I don't know how you'd mix that up other than maybe that the color of the rose petals just kind of seeped into the water. It could have been red roses instead of pink roses. Any and all of the above. Right. Right. But people claimed, I mean, but rose water has been used for a very long time for hydration. And can be used on, like, it it helps to, like, keeping a good facial regimen helps to give you more of a youthful look. You know, I don't, I don't discount that. But it's actually a pretty good film. It's, it is rated R, so it's definitely not for kids. But it's not graphic. It's just, it's not graphic in terms of, like, the torture or anything. It's, it's just a retelling from a from like an actual point of view, things she probably would have done around the castle, the way people would have acted, there's scenes of war. So it's not graphic in terms of torture, but it is rated R, but it's good. But in terms of Bathory and her legacy, in terms of media, there are well over 30 films about her, particularly since the 1970s. But this particular film from 2008, as I mentioned, is from her perspective. And I definitely recommend checking it out. I actually, it's on Amazon Prime. I meant to send that to you so you could watch it before we recorded, but we haven't had a chance. It's been a bit busy. Yeah. But that's okay. I've also, like I said, take a listen to Noble Blood's episode on on her because I listened to that and that was really awesome. There was also, I showed you that little bit from um, the YouTube channel, Obsolete Oddity, which I yeah. really enjoy watching. I love Oddity's stuff. And he's got an episode on Bathory. I would recommend checking out. And then, of course, there's Carly Ann and her Blood Countess song. Carly mm-hmm. Ann's a musical artist. She has great music. And it, she's it, got a song it. called Blood Countess. And it's really good. I would recommend checking that out, too. It's very fun. Very dark and gothic. Perfect for Halloween. Yeah, it was that. That was a super good one. That's all I've got on. That is Bethany. it. Yes, that is it for the episode on Elizabeth Bathory. We still have one more episode for the Halloween month going on, so uh, don't forget to tune in next week for more blood and torture. Mm, I think you hinted at what that was. <laughs> I think I did that earlier in the episode when I mentioned who we were going to be talking about. But speaking, Stop speaking, giving it away. Speaking of fun movies, wait. So if you if you like Blood Countess with Anna Friel, wait till the next week's movies recommendation. It's a really good one too, which is also on Amazon. You should check it out. Okay, that'll do for this episode of History Explains It All, and we hope to see you next week as we trek through history to. Explain it all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> all the ghosties. They're here. Everybody run. Oh, no. Don't forget to hide. Hi, everybody. <laughs>